Y'all, welcome to Late Night Podcast with Bridget and Holly. I'm your host, Holly. And I'm your host, Bridget. And tonight we are doing a very special episode because as most of you know, and if you don't, this month is Domestic Violence Awareness. And we're going to be doing, uh, I'm going to be doing an interview with Bridget um, on this topic. And before before we get to talking, I, I want to start by saying that it, it's not just women, it is men as well. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Domestic violence affects approx- approximately 10 million people in the United States each year. So one thing that I want to stress to y'all, if you or someone you know is dealing with domestic violence, please tell somebody because help is available. And we have the National Domestic Hotline number. We're going to put it in the description of the video once we're done. But it's 1-800-799-7233. We also want to tell you that this interview is going to be very detailed. Um, Bridget's going to talk about some traumatic things um, that has happened. If you have any trigger warnings with this, um, we don't recommend you watching it. Now, we're again, we're doing this to help people because you never know who was sharing the same or going through the same thing that she went through. So this is just awareness to let you know there's help out there and everything like that. And I am extremely proud of Bridget for coming on our podcast and sharing this with y'all. It is hard to hear but if you know Bridget today, a lot of you who follow her see how happy she is. She's married to an amazing man, you know, got beautiful children, and she she's she's living her life. She didn't let this hold hold her down. Um, mm-hmm. And before we get started with the interview, I want Bridget to to say a few things to you guys and explain some stuff as well. Yeah. So first of all, guys. We, we want you to make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell for more shows like these. <clears throat> we do try to do shows that are upbeat, happy, make you smile. But again, just like Holly said, this may be triggering to some people, especially if you're, you've went through it or you're going through it presently. So if talking about, you know, physical, mental, and emotional abuse is something that is triggering for you, you definitely... Do not want to watch this podcast show. Uh, maybe save it and come back later if you think you might be ready. But if it's something that's going to put you in a um, in an unwelcomed emotional or mental state, we do not want that. That's not the um, the reason for this. It's actually to help people. So if you think it might be triggering, please do not watch the show. Um, but I also want to explain to y'all that domestic violence is generally is generally um, thought of as physical, okay? But it can be emotional or mental as well. But we're going to talk about more. We're going to hit on all the aspects, but the one is, the physical is going to be the one that we talk about the most. Um, Exactly. Um, A lot of people, when you say what springs to mind 
when you hear the word violence, you would think most people would say like, you know, war or fighting, but it's not. It's domestic violence. That's the first thing that that pops in people's head when you hear the word violence. Um, I want to start mm-hmm. off by saying it is not okay for a man to hit a woman. It is not okay for a woman to hit a man, no matter what the case is. Nobody deserves to go through that at all. Um, I want to start off, Bridget, with um, when you when you first got got with him. How long into the relationship was it before the abuse started, and was it? all the time in the beginning or did it just like start off as once in a while leading to more violence every day? Right. Well, believe it or not, the, the, the physical abuse, the, it was verbal and physical and, and emotional and mental. I mean, I, I went through all of them, but the, the actual physical abuse started pretty early in the relationship. I can't give you an exact time frame. I was with him. I was married to him for 10 years and we had started dating um, in about 87, 88 and we got married in um, I don't, 90, I think it was. And um, we got married in 90. Yeah. And we stayed married until 97. So I was with him about 10 years and I would say it wasn't but a, but a few months into the relationship. And, and the bad thing was I had my warnings cause he beat his mom and his dad too. And I saw wow. that and I should have left then cause he was physically abusive to them. He was, they were already older. Um, they had other grown children that were in their, you know, uh, late twenties, early thirties. And, uh, they were in their fifties. She, she was in her late forties, early fifties when she had, my husband, um, or late forties, I think. So by the time all this was going on, she was in her fifties, early sixties. And, um, and I was having to witness him beat on his parents like that. So, um, and I didn't like it, you know, I didn't like it, but you're young, you're dumb. And anytime that somebody is physical like that, they always end with, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did that. I don't know what happened, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And you tend to forgive. You just, you tend to forgive it. I feel like my hair is sticking up right there. Now, what, when he would do that to his mom and stuff, why they never pressed charges or, or did anything when he did that? No. No, wow. because, no. And, and the thing is, they, the, the, the law, every Sunday we would go over there and eat and his mom would cook. And she could have cooked a wonderful Sunday dinner for everybody. But it would... Nine times out of 10, it would end up with the law being called over there. And it was because of him. And I can remember when I remember one incident when we were just dating early on and um, he was hitting and beating on his mama and I tried to interject and it, it went from the house to out on the porch. And then she was trying to get him off of me, you know, leave her alone, leave her alone. And he, the they had a deck that was about probably about six to eight feet off the ground. And then you got to go over the railing and, you know what I'm saying, to hit the ground. Well, I remember I was just trying to get him off over and leave her alone and she don't deserve this. And he literally picked me up, put me over his head and slung me off that balcony. 
and I hit the ground and I just, I felt, ooh, you know, it just, it hit me like that. And I laid there for the longest time and I, I could, I could just hear, it was ringing in my ears and I could hear his mama saying, you killed her. You killed her. She thought I was dead falling that far, that far. Oh my But God. I was literally like, yeah, I was just, I was just laying there and I was, I didn't, I didn't even know if I could move at that point. Um, and so I did get up. You know, and I luckily I was young. You do that shit to me now. I don't. I'd probably be broken. But um, yeah, I went through that, and and I remember getting up, and I remember wanting to go home, and um, oh my god, the stories I have. But I remember wanting to go home, and um, he stopped me and tried to talk to me, and he told me, "I don't know what happened. I just flipped. I just flipped." You know, you was on me, she was on me, and just please don't. And then he'll go into crying, and then me, because I didn't want to see him cry or be hurt. You know, I was like, it's okay, we'll get through it, da-da-da, and I forgave. I forgave him over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I can't believe you took a file like that and had no injuries whatsoever. I mean, that really could have killed you. You could have snapped your neck, yeah. broke your back, you know, become yeah. paralyzed. You know, that. Yeah. I, I'm really shocked that you were able to get up and walk away from that. Um, yeah. When, so when he would do these attacks, how long would they usually last for when he would do this? Well, it's not long. I mean, it's like, just like that, that happened. Well, how long did that take to get thrown off the balcony and then him apologize? With, you know, in the span of less than 30 minutes, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, but it's one of those things. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those things you just kind of, I don't think, I mean, it, if you're thinking it went on for days or anything like that, no. It was just, it was just things he did. And, and I think that it takes somebody really disturbed and almost evil to do things like that. And the one it time does. I'll tell you, yeah, the one time I'll tell you that I, I saw evil in his eyes that it actually, like you would think I'd be scared through all of these. And I wasn't scared of him. I, I knew, um, you know, I knew in my mind, I was thinking deep down inside, he's a good person. He's just doing bad things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the one time I saw evil was one time we went to Carowinds, had a wonderful day, went to Carowinds, um, came home from Carowinds and he, his mom had actually kicked him out and me and my dad took him in. And I remember I was in my bedroom and he was, he was in there with me and we had separate beds. And my dad made us have twin beds that were separate in the same room. God forbid. God bless my dad. He thought, he <laughs> thought because he did that, that's all he needed to do, you know? And everything will um, be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But now I was like 17 at the time, you know, it wasn't like I was a little bitty child. So 17 might could have been 18. But anyhow, um, I'll never forget that we came home from Carowinds and I don't know what was said, but I remember taking off my jewelry and I was, I had a sunburn that day and something was said to him or, or something where he got mad. He spun me around, threw me on the bed, got on top of me and took a knife and put it to my neck and pressed oh and God. pressed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he pressed and pressed and pressed hard. And when I looked in his eyes, they were black. They were black as coal and he had dark brown eyes anyway, but they were so dark. And he said to me, he said, you know what I want to do right now? He said, I want to slit your throat and piss down your neck. And he oh said, and he God. said, and just, 
And he said, just watch you bleed out. And I, I mean, I laid there and he pressed harder and harder. And you have, have you ever took a knife and pressed it on your skin? Not cut, but you pressed so hard when you lift it up, you had little blood bleed, little blood beads. Uh-uh. I had them all across my neck. I had them all across my neck. And I looked in his eyes when he did that. And I said, I said, do it. I said, do it. That's what I told him. And I laid there for a minute and he stared at me and I stared at him and I I could just feel tears rolling out of my eyes and down my face and stuff. And he said, he said, yeah, you tried to sound tough. He said, but I see that tear, you chicken shit bitch. And he got up off of me and he just left me alone. And I sat there and I just, I felt so dead inside. You know what I'm saying? I just felt like, why am I going? I always question, you know, why I went through the things I went through, but fucking stayed i stayed uh, i just stayed um so were there were there like certain things that seemed to trigger him and 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 what what i mean by this question is not you know that you did anything but just in general like if he had a bad day at work or like something you know social happened or in you know environmental were were there things that would just set him off even just normal conversations uh yeah i mean it would usually be a hard day at work or money or you know he just i think he was just an evil person and i think that if he you know just like you and i i think life is stressful just overall in general life is stressful and I think that he, when when life would get stressful for him, I was his outlet to come home and to the least little things that be said or the least little thing be done. I mean, we'd like any other couple, we'd argue. And so it never was just him bicker, me bicker. It was, it was him bicker, me bicker, him whip my ass. You know what I'm saying? That's basically yeah. how it ended up. You know what I'm saying? What, what do you think? happened to him like in his childhood growing up to to make him like this because they always say that that it's either the, the they watch their parent do it so then they do it or just like i mean it's really a demented thing in my opinion to do yeah you know to yeah. someone so do you know like did something happen to him when he was little or did he just have some type of trauma or did he get abused in some way? It doesn't no, make it I right, mean, but you know, right. just no, because he, like I happen. said, he was the, he was the baby. So, um, they pampered him. I mean, the bigger, his older sisters loved on him. His mom and dad loved on him. Now his dad was an alcoholic. Um, I don't know if that had something to do with it, but I know he had evil in him when, even when he was younger because wow. one day when I was going through, I was going through paperwork, uh, when he was moving, he, there was some paperwork because he, he was a juvenile delinquent. He had been in and out of trouble. And man, when my dad found out I was dating him and he was in Swannanoa, which is a juvenile facility for people under the age 18 that need to be in jail, but they're not in jail. So they go up there. Yeah. And when my dad found out I was dating him, my dad was like, Bridget, what are you doing? Why, what are you, what are you, he said, there's too many people out here. Why are you with somebody like that? I'm like, oh, daddy, I love him. Da, 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 da. But the, you know, and dad, my dad was like, he said, I'm, I'm just telling you, I mean, you, you need to, you need to think twice about this. 
And I didn't, you know, I wanted, to, I had my mind made up. And so, and my dad knew he couldn't deter me, you know what I'm saying? So my dad just said, well, you know, if he's not for you, you'll learn he's not for you. And my dad did not know. He did not know that I went through all this until one time when, when we were fighting and um, we had, I told you he'd lived with me. And what had happened was the house next to my dad came open for rent. My dad talked to his landlord and said, hey, I've got y'all where you can move out over there if that's what you want to do. Because I, mm-hmm. I had quit school at 16. And um, and so I was working a full, because my dad, when I went and told him I was going to quit school, he said, listen, if you quit, you got to get a full-time job. You're going to take care of yourself. If you want to be an adult, you're going to be an adult. And I said, okay. So I did. So I was already working full time. He was working full time. And so we moved out. And so when we moved out, we didn't have no furniture. I had egg crates for tables. I had lawn chairs for furniture. And we didn't have a stove or anything. So I used a hot plate. And I don't know if you know what a hot plate is. Do you know what that is? Yeah. So I had two burners. So I was really excited about cooking supper for us in our in our new house. And so I wanted to cook. So I was cooking like meat, um, um, pork chops, mashed potatoes, corn. I had several different things going. But because I only had two burners, I couldn't cook with two things at a time. So oh. I cooked the pork chops first. I put cooked them in the, uh, the corn first, took the corn off, was doing the mashed potatoes, had to wait for the potatoes, the uh, water to boil, and was doing the mashed potatoes because I didn't do real ones. I just did instant ones. And um, I remember taking the food to him. And he was sitting in one of the lawn chairs and I handed him his plate and he went to eat. And one of the things was cooler because it had set aside. And he, the minute he took a bite, he went and he spit it out. And he said, this shit's cold. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, we, we just got the hot plate in there. And I said, I was trying to cook more than one vegetable. And he said, no, this shit's cold. He took it and he threw it. He threw it. And so I said, oh my God, why did you do that? And so I get down and I'm on my hands and knees cleaning the food up, scraping it up with a rag. And he said, he kicked me in the back and I hit the floor and he took me in the back of my head and he just raked it in the food. He said, no, you're going to clean it up like this. And he raked it in the food and I had food all over me and I started crying I started crying and I remember getting up and running out the door and running to my dad's house because I knew I'm getting ready to take another damn ass with him. So, and this was after being beat for many years. So I went run next door to my dad's house and I I told my dad, I'm here. He is sitting there in his recliner watching TV and he gets up and he says, well, let's just go talk to him. Let's what's going on. Cause dad's thinking, this is the first time, and he's thinking maybe maybe just something I said or did, and and maybe maybe he just had a bad day, and it was it wasn't it wasn't like it was being portrayed. You know what I'm saying? Like Dad's yeah. like me, he's devil's advocate. He said I'm gonna listen to both sides of the story. So my dad goes over there and just walks in the door, and he says, he said uh, at the time my husband's name, I'm not gonna say it on here. He said, what what's going on? And about that time, he pulled a butterfly knife on my dad. And he said, don't come near me. He said, I'll stab you. And my dad looked at him. He said, oh, we going to use weapons? Okay, we'll get weapons. And so he goes over and gets his shotgun. And he comes back. And I'm begging daddy the whole time. Daddy, please don't do that. Because I'm thinking he's going to shoot him. And so we get back over there. 
And uh, about that time, my dad says, well, if you want, you got a weapon, I'm going to have a weapon. But my dad had the gun down. And so about that time, Scott, mm, mm, about said the name, can't say that. So he went to, to swing the knife at, at my dad and my dad went to stop him and it stabbed him through his hand. And when it did, when it stabbed him through his hand, my dad picked up the gun, lifted it up, grabbed the barrel and the butt and went pat like that and knocked him upside his head and split his head wide open down to his nose. Oh, wow. And, oh, that freaked me out. And so then dad looked at me and he goes, go get the car. We're going to take him to the hospital. He said, and then he's going to jail. And so I, 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 I didn't even know my dad had been stabbed at that point. And so I, I go get the car and I pull it around. And so I, dad says, get in the passenger seat. So I got in the passenger seat, my, my, him at the time, I don't even, move, I don't know if he was married at the time or, or was, I was not married yet. Can you believe I married him after something like this? So anyhow, uh -huh. he gets in the back seat. We take him to the hospital and at the hospital, when we're sitting there and he's getting, you know, fixed the stitches and everything, we're telling him everything that happened. And my dad was telling him, yes, we want him arrested. I noticed my dad had a rag around his hand and I said, and there was blood on it. And I said, are you cut? And he said, I am. And I said, how bad? And he said, I don't know. And I don't want to look. And so I said, I said, daddy, let me see. And so when I opened it up, you could see the hole went all the way through his hand. Oh, and I God. said, daddy, I said, Daddy, Daddy, you need stitches. And he said, no, I don't need nothing. Be quiet. And so he wouldn't let me get him help. And so I was quiet. And then I was like sad for my dad that I brought him into this. You know what I'm right. saying? And so then um, he ends up, they did arrest, arrest my husband at the time. And they took him to jail. And I go back home with my dad. And then the next day, I know his parents had called and said, you're going to get him out of jail and y'all are going to pay for this. And da, 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 da. My dad says, you're lucky he's still alive. He said, if I exactly. have my way and I, I, he said, you're lucky he's alive. He said, so you pay to get him out. So while I was at work, he calls me and he gives me the whole, I'm so sorry, stop story. Da, 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 da. Uh, when I went back home and I tell my dad, you know, that I, I really wanted to work it out, blah, blah, blah. My dad just, he was like, oh my God. And he said, you do uh -huh. know that men that do that don't stop doing that. And I said, I think he will. I think he will. I think this is a lesson learned, blah, blah, blah. And so I end up taking him back and my dad talks to him and he tells him, he said, I just want to let you know if you ever lay another hand on my daughter, he said, I will hunt you down like the dog you are. And he said, I'll make it my job to make your life miserable. But I still continue to go through beatings way beyond that. But I just never told my dad again. My dad didn't and know. That, that was actually going to be my next question was going to be, did you tell anyone? And if so, when? And how long did you go through it before you finally told somebody? So with, with you telling after you, your dad witnessed that and y'all went through that and you went back. How much longer did you, did you continue to go to hide that abuse? Well, that was probably in 90 when that happened and we didn't separate till uh, 97. So seven more years. That was earlier on in the, in the relationship when that happened. Um, mm -hmm. So. And besides my dad, besides my, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Besides oh, no, my no, no, dad no. that. You're good. Friends, friends 
some of my friends could kind of tell or kind of knew. I'll tell you an incident where we lived in that same house. And you asked me about the frequency. So, so I'll tell you that it was more in the beginning. And the longer we was together, the less it became. Oddly enough, it went from every day to once a week to once a month to when we finally split up, it might have just been a once every three or four month thing. You know what I'm saying? Really? So it did improve. It did, Oddly enough, it did improve. But still, even to get hit once every three or four months is still too much. But um, it is when we was when I was pregnant with with my oldest son, I'd set him off one day and um, and he he started threatening to kill me and my, my unborn child. So I get out of the house and I'm going towards my neighbor's house who uh, was my best friend at the time. And he pushed me down. And when he pushed me down. Once he got me down, he started kicking me in my stomach. And I remember covering my stomach and drawing up my legs mm. to protect my child. And my my next my neighbor across the street saw it and she come running out and told him, Leave her alone, leave her alone. And she picked me up and took me to her her house. And she kept saying, Was you all right? Are you all right? Are y'all you want me to call the law? You want me to do that? And I said, No, no, no. And uh, and I all he was doing was standing outside her house screaming and fussing and cussing and all this stuff. And I was inside and I was just terrified to go back out. And a lot of people will ask you, did you ever fight back? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Before I was pregnant. Oh yeah. I fought back, but, and I'm a strong woman, but there you're no, you're no woman is a match for a man. And, and the more I fought back, the worse it got. So I just quit fighting back because right. then it would just be, it would be less of a beating if I just didn't fight back. Yeah. Cause they get the strength that they have. Nine out of ten times over overpowers um, us. Um, so, going going through that, did you struggle with the emotions of thinking that it was your fault? And if and if so, what what made you feel that way? So, going back to that time, I would think to myself, "What am I doing?" to make him do this or what am I doing to set him off? But then there was that logical sense of me that knew this is not right. And everybody don't go through this. And this is not how relationships should go. So I knew that it was more something wrong with him than it was me. And especially, like I said, having seen him beat his parents, I knew that mm, this guy's just kind of messed up. And I will tell you another situation where I knew he was messed up. I I was telling you that I was going through paperwork where we moved out. And Uh um, I come across this paperwork where he had set a dog on fire that was alive. And he was charged for that. Oh, my God. And out of all the things I'd ever learned about him, that hurt me the worst. Because I love animals. And that just, that really hurt And he claimed... Oh, I took the fall for somebody. I didn't do that. But the longer I was with him, the more I realized you the one that did that. You he did that it. Did he did it and just tried to make it out like he didn't. Um, yeah. So, the, and, and the reason also, too, I asked that question is because I, I've never, I've never been through domestic violence, but I have seen it happen, you know, with people that I know that, you know, this went through it and stuff. 
and a lot of people do struggle with what what did I do? What am I doing wrong? You know, what have I, I, I done to make this happen? And that's why I wanted to ask if you can struggle with that because it, it's nothing that you've done. It's nothing at all. It's it's all them. But they're going to blame you and say, why did you make me do this? Why are you, you know, it's your fault that I'm this way. And it's, that yeah. it's, just, a, it's just a mental game that they're playing on you, you know, to clear their conscience that, you know, give an invalidation that they had the right to hit you, which they did not. Um, right. What made you stay as long as you did? I know you loved him, but when, when it would happen and stuff, did you think in your head, like, okay, I'm going to leave, you know, I, I, I want to go, but, and you wouldn't, mm-hmm. but what, what made you stay as long as you did? Several things. Uh, for one, um, I didn't want to have to go back home. Um, not that my home life was bad or anything, but I think it's like anybody else. And when you move out, the last thing you want to do is have to run back home and go back to where you're living with your parents. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to have to go back home. Financially, I couldn't afford to get out of it. You know, financially, I was in a situation where I didn't have the money to start over. Um, the fact that, and this sounds horrible to say, but the fact that, I was pregnant and I did not want, I had was raised without a mom. Okay. And I did not want the fact that I had fucked up and made a bad choice in a partner. I didn't want to take that father away from my child. You know what I'm saying? I wanted my child to have both parents. I didn't want to have a complete family. Yeah. I didn't want them to have to live without a dad. Like I had to live without a mom. And so I tried to think of them but at the time, like I said, I'm, I'm 18, 19, 20 years old. In your 20s, you don't realize that that kind of role model is not what you want for your kids. You know what I'm saying? That's not. Exactly. But, yeah. But I had high hopes that even though he was a shitty boyfriend, shitty husband, that he wouldn't be a shitty father. But he ended up being a shitty father, too. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, You know, those were my reasons. And the fact, like I said, I loved him. And the fact that you, you think to yourself, I I know this sounds crazy to say, but, you know, he was a nice looking guy. Um, You know, I kept thinking to myself, if we split up, you know, I'll be alone. I won't be able to find anybody else. And they make you believe that. They make you believe that. And I I knew he was a nice looking guy. And I thought, you know, what if I can't find anybody, you know, you know, like him and, you know, and, and cute and, you know, I don't know. It's just weird shit that goes through your mind. You're young, you're dumb and you're vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then they, with the mental, mental and physical abuse, they make you feel less worthy. You know what I'm saying? So, um, what yeah. would you say was the defining moment? when you finally said enough is enough? I never did. He left me. I didn't leave him. Really? Really? I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I had laid in bed. It was a, it was a prayer answered because probably for the last three years we were together, my nightly prayer was, I said, God, please let him find somebody else. 
cheat on me and leave me for her. Leave I me for her. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do remember you. you not trying to interrupt you, but now that you're telling it, I'm, oh, wait, I do remember. They don't know this, but I, I do remember that now. But go ahead. I remember that now. Yeah. So I did. Every night I prayed that. I said, God, just let somebody else catch his eye and let him leave. Because my thing was, if I left, he was going to hunt me down. Now, my thing, if I left, I wouldn't get to live a peaceful life. You know what I'm saying? That he would just Did he threaten me you with that? Oh, yeah. That if you ever oh, left, yeah. he, the typical line mm-hmm. that they all say to, that, that, yeah. Yeah. He said, you think if you left me, you was ever going to be happy? I'll make sure you're not. And and he always had me worried about my children. And like I said, everybody will tell you if you're with somebody like that, they're like, you know, how are you going to be with somebody like that? Because they're, you, you, they're going to grow up, beat on your kids. Oddly enough, he knew. Like I had my limits. And he knew. I told him, I told him point blank, you fuck with my kids, I will kill you in your sleep. I will, dead in your sleep. You don't touch my kids. And he never did. But one time when I started getting stronger and he would try to do things to trigger me, I would just sit there and ignore him. You know what I'm saying? I'd just sit there and just, I would, I remember I was humming and rocking my youngest son and I was rocking him and humming him, humming. And he said, listen to me. I said, listen to me. And I just kept rocking and humming. And he grabbed my son and held him up by his ankle. And when he did, I stood up and he said, oh, I got your attention now, don't I? Yeah, bitch, I got your attention now. Wow. And I said, don't you, I said, don't you hurt him. I said, I'm telling you now, don't you hurt him. And I said, you give me my child. He said, oh, I'll give him to you. All right. And he slung him at me and I caught him and I looked, I looked at him and I caught him and I said, if you ever touch another hair on my kid's head. I said, you won't be alive tomorrow. And when I said that, I said it with fire in my eyes and he knew. And he looked at me and and I could tell he was kind of like, because I'd never done that before. From that day forward, he never touched another, my child. Unless normal dad discipline, you know what I'm saying? Like, eh, don't yeah. do that and smack his hands because he was trying to touch a socket or something. But never again was it in, a, in an abusive way towards my kids. But now I can't say if we would have stayed together, that he wouldn't have. You know what I'm saying? But that would have yeah. been my breaking moment. I right. would have been out of there. I'd have been gone. You don't touch my kids. Exactly. And then I, I was going to ask that too. You know, did, did there ever come a time and point in the relationship where he did, you know, abuse the kids and, and hit them and stuff? Um, and that is shocking because, like you said, in most domestic violence cases, is that it's with the kids as well. You know, they're, right. it's not just, you know, the wife or, or the husband. It, it's with the kids. Um, how how would you say with all of this? How how has this affected you and changed you? It's made me stronger. Oddly enough, it's made me. Now, some women it doesn't do that. Some women, it really messes them up and they never get their self-worth back. But my daddy did raise me strong. And um, he, my dad, he was, he come out of the army and he had PTSD and he knew that this life was ugly and he built me for a tough life. He, he built me to withstand things. And so um, I knew coming out of this, I was a victim I knew coming out of this that this wasn't my fault. I never let it define me. Um, I picked up the pieces, but, you know, it was strange because even through the domestic violence, 
I could get beat on a Tuesday night and walk out my door on Wednesday morning and smile at people and greet them and give them hugs and love. And I would have never known that. They didn't. They never knew. Because when he would beat me, it would be it would be in the back of my head. It would be my back. It would be twisting my arm. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be like in my face. He never, he knew better because he knew if my daddy ever saw that, it would be bad. Oh, he would have been a goner. He would have been a goner. Um, And one time I did get a bruise on my face. Now you're going to be interested to hear this story. I did get, he did hit me in the face where he was hitting and swinging around the back of my head and I went to turn. He caught me in the eye. Well, at the time, I know y'all heard me tell you that my my husband now used to be married to my best friend, and we were best friends then. And um, I had I used to bowl. My my husband now used to bowl with him when he was married to my my best friend, and so we had to bowl on a Saturday when I had that black eye, and I and I went and I met him at Kmart before we went to the bowling alley, and. When I walked through the door and I walked up to them, you know, my best friend, Shelly, looked at me and she went, oh, and she goes, what happened to your eye? And Ronnie looked and he goes, he hit you, didn't he? He hit you, didn't he? He said, I will whip his ass. And he goes out the door. And me and Shelly both stopped him. I said, no, 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 he didn't hit me. I said, I did it at work. I opened up a door. It was a door of a machine I was working on. He did it. I did it at work. And he looked at me and he goes, you're lying. And I said, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I'm not. But he was going to kick his ass then. <laughs> you know oh, what I'm saying? Wow. So, yeah. But but I remember they asked me then, and oh, I covered up, and I was I was a convincing liar. But I remember he told me that he said he he told me he went back to Shelly and told her he said I believe he hit her and she's covering up for him. And Shelly said I don't know. I think Rich <clears throat> would tell you the truth, but I didn't. Now, did Shelly and them? No, at all or not until it was over you came clean and told them what was going on or did they you... knew they knew he had a temper and they knew he was verbally abusive you know what i'm saying they had witnessed that um and they they had seen him do things like shove me or push me out of the way or get up in my face but they'd never seen him actually physically hit me Mm-hmm. I, I have the type of friends, if they would have saw that, they would have intervened. They wouldn't have just stood by. They would have all come and got you. Got you and the kids mm-hmm. and, and brought you home. Um, mm-hmm. So, with you going, going through all this, and, you know, because after him, how long before you got into your next relationship? Like, did it was your trust in men just like completely torn down? You know, did it take you a while to, to, to learn to trust men again? (laughs) No, (laughs) we broke up on December the 10th. Ronnie and Shelly separated on December the 3rd of 1997. She left him for his best friend. Okay. Me and my husband split up on December the 10th. He left me for a woman that he worked with. Mm-hmm. And Ronnie and I got together on December 21st, 11 days later. Really? Mm-hmm. That was just a relationship that was meant to be, though. Because look at y'all now. Mm-hmm. And y'all been together for how yeah. long now? 
since December 21st, 1997. Yeah, so... So, so God, December 21st years? this year will be 26 years. Yeah. 26 years. Yeah. But oh. see, he told me he had a crush on me. He had a crush on me in school, too, and I didn't know that. He did. Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it's so weird, the, the things in the hell that you sometimes have to go through to get where you really need to be in life. And it, and it sucks that, yeah. you know, it, it's sad and it hurts my heart that you had to go through such violence and and stuff to, to get to your, your soulmate. You know, because I know everybody's right. like, there's, God has a plan for you and it's all in the works and stuff. And then you wonder like, why did I have to go through this to get to, to here? And sometimes you mm -hmm. just won't never know the answer to that. And, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. Um, what, what would you say were your healing steps? Get it. Well, when we, the breakup, the breakup was the beginning of my healing. Um, knowing that it was behind me. I felt safe with Ronnie. I felt safe that I knew. See, you said God does weird things and stuff. And I think God did that because when my first husband left me um, for the other girl, if I would have stayed single three and four months and then they ended up having problems and he wanted to come back, he would have come back and started threatening me and making my life live in hell to I'd have probably let him back in. But yeah. he knew, he knew with Ronnie here that that wasn't going to happen. He knew that with him in my life, that that wasn't going to take place. And they had got into it. Uh, they'd got into a fight when we first got together that was a, that was a, that was a, a, a big mess. And, um, oh, wow. but you know, but he pretty much, uh, because of that, I think God put Ronnie in my life at that time because he would have continued to torment me. But He's because Ronnie was in my life, yeah, he, he left me alone. He didn't, I mean, I had little spats with him and he was, you know, supposed to come get the boys here and there and he never did show up half the time. And, you know, and, and so finally I just, you know, he just got to where he just disappeared completely, which was fine with me, but, so um, Mr. Ronnie was your knight because, in shining armor pretty much. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, so us going, going through this interview, I know it's, it's, it's been hard you having, you know, to talk about these things and, I know you're doing it to, to help other females and, or men to come forward. You know, don't, don't just sit there and take it. There's help. You know, you are worth more than that. Was it hard, you know, difficult for you to come forward today and share this on, on our podcast? No, no, no. because. Like I said, I think I have it in my mind that I was a victim. And you have to understand, I lived through that for 10 years. And to me, I'm so glad it's over and it's behind me. I don't mind sharing it because I know how I felt at the time. I mean, just I've only touched the tip of the iceberg of some of the things that I went through. Um, I remember he didn't like to work good. And I remember that every morning I would have to throw water on him to get him to, to 
to get up and go to work. And um, I had I had my son Brandon, who was three. I had my my son Wesley, who was uh, you know he's about three and a half, and I had my son Wes, who was uh, six months old. And even in the winter, I would take Brandon and set him on my back steps. I would take Wesley and put him in a car carrier and put him on the back porch at the bottom of the steps. I would go in there and throw water on my husband, run out the back door, grab both of the kids and run to the woods and hide till he went to work because I knew if he got a hold of me, he would beat me. Um, oh, and, and, wow. and so I would get the kids and run and hide in the woods and then he would straggle into work and we would sit there in the cold and I had gotten to where I put blankets in the woods because we would, I would cover them up with blankets to keep us warm until he'd go to work. He wouldn't and come looking so, for you? No. Mm -mm. No, he would end up just going to work. And so I went through hell. I'm just telling you, I went through hell. So much you hell. Because I couldn't imagine doing that. Like you had your routine that sounds like down pat, you know, getting him ready in the morning and and running running to do that and how how long would y'all have to stay out there in the woods for sometimes you know 30 minutes sometimes an hour sometimes an hour and a half because he'd lay in there and go to sleep and then just get up and go when he was ready to go it it really just varied you never knew you know and so i would just sit out there and wrap the kids up in blankets and i would sit there in the cold and snuggle them until he left so I could go back in my house. Would he ever say anything when he came home from you doing that? No. I mean, he would laugh about it. And, the, you know, that's over. And he'd tell me, he'd laugh about it at first. Then that night he'd say, don't you do that shit again tomorrow. And then I'd be like, oh, I, I won't. And then if the next day or two, he might get up good. But then the third or fourth day, he wouldn't want to get up. And I knew he had to get up to go to work because at the time I wasn't working. I had two kids and he was the only thing that was keeping us afloat. And so yeah. I knew he had to work. And so I'd do it again and I'd take the kids out. And because like I said, I wasn't, I, I never, I never really, I never, even though I, I knew he wouldn't hurt. I mean, I told him not to hurt the kids. I never took a chance. I never took a chance yeah. of, of him being able to, you know, especially had when he, I knew he would have been mad. Had he ever hit you in front of the kids before? Did they oh. ever see? Oh, yeah. Did oh, they yeah, remember they were, any of it? Mm, no, because when we split up, Wesley was three and Brandon was seven. Um, and like I said, remember I told you it had gotten less and less. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't think the boys at, at four and seven, I, at seven, he might've realized, but if you ask my son now, he don't remember any of that. He doesn't remember um, anything. No, but now my son will tell you, and I would have hated to see the day once my, once Brandon got about 16 or 17, had he lived through that. Brandon would have beat the he, hell out of him. It would have been over, son. It would have been it, it over. It would have. Because... Because I promise you, even now to this day, I mean, if somebody tried to, to hurt me, uh, Brandon would take a bullet for me. I'm, I'm telling yeah. you. I mean, that's I've always said out of all my kids, if any of my, you know, mother is always willing to sacrifice her life for her children in a heartbeat. Right. Uh, that's that's the child that would die for me. Uh, he's the one that would Aww. would kill for me. Mm -hmm. That's Brandon. What? Um, so coming to. 
the end of the interview, I I want to ask you what suggestions and advice do you have to make it safer for victims to come forward? What what can you stress to any domestic violence person, you know, male or female? Just the best advice that you could give them to help them. I got great advice. Okay. The number one advice is don't do like me and feel like because financially you don't have it, you're trapped. Uh, don't do like me and stay quiet. Talk to somebody. Get with your friends and family and come up with a game plan to get you in a better situation. Make sure that when you do leave, you plan it out. You plan your escape. Uh, you don't leave any uh, T's uncrossed, any I's undotted. You make sure you get all that done. And I suggest that all women, you know, that are going through this, try to get you some financial plan in place. But don't let finances be the reason you don't leave. Um, like I said, talk to somebody, get your friends and family involved. And I know the thing is, but you need to tell your friends and family, this was my biggest fear. If I went to my dad and told him that, he would get emotional and react right away. And that's what families want to do. But you yeah. need to tell your family, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to talk to you about something. But I don't want you to react in emotion. I want you to help me in a thought-out, calculated way. Do not react emotionally. And then talk to your family about it. Because a lot of people who live in domestic violence, there's the last thing you want to tell somebody that lives in that way, well, just leave. Just, just leave. It's not that easy. They need a plan. They need an exit. And they need to feel safe in that exit. And they can't feel safe if they're in an emotional abusive situation and you react emotionally too, right. then they feel it like they're just feel. between a rock and a hard place. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but don't, don't stay. Don't stay for no reasons of I can't afford to leave. Don't stay for any reasons that I can't tell nobody because you can. And there are resources out there that will help women in situations like that. But you know what was the bad thing was? When I called those resources, I would always say, you know, I'm in a, a bad situation and I need out and I've got two kids and da, 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 da. And they would tell me, well, you got to join the waiting list. You got to join. You know, that list. was going to, I was going to ask you that, that what, what if they, you know, they call these numbers and they're like, we don't have any room for you. And then you don't have a family member that that would or could take you in what what would your next step of advice be for them if if you can't get into a shelter or or get in with a family member what what would you say what would you do well that's what i wanted i wanted actual housing to where they put me in an apartment you know what i'm saying like a, a income-based apartment and they wanted to put me in a shelter and i didn't want to go in a situation where i was sleeping me and my children were sleeping on cots with other women and children right beside it. And I know that sounds, why, why wouldn't you want that? You know what I'm saying? But I just, I didn't want that for me or for them. And so, you know, I stayed, but if, if you have nowhere to turn, there is a shelter that will take you in. If you might not get that apartment you're wanting or that house that you're wanting to get into with, with you and your kids, but there are shelters that will take you in. And I don't think, I don't think shelters turn a battered woman away. I've never heard of that. Okay. You, you just have to not be prideful like me. I was prideful. I didn't want to go in that situation. 
But that's so understandable too, though, because not. you're you're taking, even though you're in a bad situation, you're taking you and your kids from the only home they've known to somewhere where you're just that's out of your element and uncomfortable. You know, you got to share a bathroom with all these people and take turns, you know, trying to get into the shower and you know, you're grateful for everything that they do, but it's just, it's still different when you're in your very own home. So I can understand right. you feeling that way and not wanting to do it. And I think that plays a big role too. And a lot of people who go through domestic violence, they don't want to leave. And cause it makes yeah. you probably feel homeless is what it makes you feel like yeah. because you're leaving your home yeah. to go stay at a shelter where nothing is there but you and, and what little few things you could bring. Yeah. And I just didn't want that for my kids. And like I said, I, I grew up very poor and my dad's house, uh, it didn't have heating and air. We had a wood stove and you'd have to get up in the morning and build a fire in order to have heat. And I didn't want to take my two young children back to the house where, you know, they would have to, to to sleep with an electric heater just to keep them warm. It was just, it was yeah. so much that, that, you know, it sounds so stupid, but I lived in a house where I had electric heat and my children had heat all the time. And it doesn't sound could, stupid. Yeah. And so I just didn't want to take them back to that situation. And that break my daddy's heart, you know what I'm saying? To hear me say that, but, but cause it wasn't his fault. I'm not trying to say well, it was my dad's fault because it is a bit. It, it was just the situation it was. And, um, and I, I just, I wanted better for my kids, you know what I'm saying? And, but you know, it just, women stay for dumb reasons. You know what I'm saying? We all, we do. And I hate to call it dumb reasons, but there's no reason good enough to stay in that situation. Yeah. No matter what you're thinking in your head, you know what I'm saying? There's no reason to stay in that. But at the time, that's how you try to reason it out. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. it really boils down to most women don't want to leave because they do, even though this person is abusive and ugly and mean, you love them. And you're just, you're staying because you, you know, you still care some, for some stupid You got that little glimpse of hope that they'll change. That yeah. little glimpse that they're yeah. going to change. I know it. They're, they're gonna, they're gonna change. Well, the thing is too, Holly is, and I, I want to paint this picture because, and this is what women are doing. I just told you, a domestic violence incident can last 30 minutes, 15 minutes. It can be a smack, a hit, a push. But you got to realize, let's just say it's an hour a day. Then that, there's 23 other hours that this is somebody that you are intimate with, that you laugh with, that you have jokes with, that you yeah. enjoy the rest of the time. It's just when they're abusive that you're not having fun. So a lot of times women are like, well, I'll overlook that 15-minute ass whipping for the other 23 hours or 24 hours, yeah. 23 and hours and 45 minutes. That's good. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't all bad. We didn't have all bad times, but he, it was, it was, it was never acceptable. So if he wouldn't, the way he was, do you think you would have ended up still staying? If he wasn't abusing you, would you have still stayed with him, do you think? Or do you think no, at some no, point you probably would have ended up leaving him? We we would have still ended up splitting up because he wasn't he wasn't a good husband in general. Like in general. To do stuff yeah, like 
it, he was good to a point, but he wasn't a real good husband. But even like Shelly will tell you, I mean, she will tell you this day. Tommy will tell you, even Ronnie will tell you, you couldn't meet, you wouldn't meet a better person than my ex-husband. He, he would give you the shirt off his back. He was a sweet guy. He was funny, had a wonderful personality, wonderful sense of humor. Yeah. And everybody wow. loved him. But, and that's the way a lot of these guys are. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm describing it to you, you think you'd see a monster. If you'd meet him on the street yeah. tomorrow, and get, he would make you laugh. You'd get along with him. You'd think he's the best guy you ever met. Okay. So he had a lot of good qualities. But he was selfish and self-centered and had a lot of hobbies and didn't put, he wasn't a family man. So all of those things would have been enough for me to be like, you know, I don't, right. I don't know though. I'm the type of person that I'm not a leaver when it comes to relationships. So I might've still stayed just for the kids to have their dad. But my, my point would have been if he would ever hit my kids in an abusive way, besides a normal, a normal, what we in the South call spanking. Cause you did bad. Yeah. If he would have hit them harder than a spanking, oh, yeah, that would have been the end. Of it. I would have been in jail because I wouldn't have let him do that. Oh, yeah. I don't blame you at all. Um, I do want I do want to say before before we go, um, I do want I do want to remind you all again. And, and again, Bridget will link um, the number for you to call to, again. If you or someone, you know, is going through domestic violence, please tell somebody reach out for help. Call the National Domestic Hotline number. It, again, it is 1-800-799-7233. And I, I want to thank Bridget for opening up and sharing her story with, with all of us because you never know what somebody is going through. Somebody could just be scrolling on YouTube and see domestic violence and they're going through it at that moment and watch our podcast and see, Hey, you know, she was physically and mentally abused and look at her today because again, I've, I've never experienced it. And it, it breaks my heart to know my best friend went through that. You know, it's, it, it, it makes me cringe. It, it literally breaks my heart because I, I don't understand why it happens. I'll never understand. And we probably never will know why they do that but um i think you are very brave and i love you to pieces you are for sure a role model you are strong and you are one of the the most amazing people i i have met in my 44 years of living and for well, you to you. have you are welcome for you to have endured what you have and to come out on top the way you are now, it says a lot and it shows everybody, look, I I went through hell and fought my way out and I come out on top because you can. You don't let don't let this be your crutch. Don't let it hold you down. Make make something out, out, of, out of yourself. Get away and you just keep climbing up top because it's only going up from there once you leave. Yeah. Don't believe the negative things that they tell you. Don't believe the, the, the ugly, you know, comments that they make. You are worth it. You will be loved again. You will, you will survive, you know, and they may threaten you, but you can get protection afterwards. Don't think that they're going to make yeah. your life hell and kill you and come after you and da, da, da. You know, there'll be limits to what they can do. And, um, 
just don't be afraid to tell somebody. That's that's it. Yeah, make sure to, to, to tell somebody. But we hope y'all have enjoyed this special episode. Um, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. And Bridget, you got anything you want to say before we go? Just be strong, ladies and gentlemen, anybody going through this. And with, listen, our next podcast is going to be a lot lighter than this. Because I, as much as I enjoy telling this story and helping other people, I like the fun shows, too. <laughs> yeah. It's our laughter yeah, is the best medicine, as they always say, it's it the best it. medicine. Well, y'all, again, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We really hope it touched somebody, helped somebody. And just remember, if you are going through this, there is help. And you can leave and you can do it. Just stay strong and you, and you got it. So on that note, yep. y'all have a good night. And uh, oh, yeah. I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna say something. Oh, I know I what I, I did mean earlier to to say that I, I wanted to kind of tell my husband now that I love him and that I thank him for being there for me and for saving me. Um, and helping me through some of the hard times in my life that I went through with all of this. Oh, you need to give him a little yeah. heart. Give Mr. Ronnie a heart. Oh. I love you, babe. <laughs> but yeah, yes, y'all have fun. We love y'all. Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell for more shows like this. And y'all, last but not least, we have shows that we're trying to do on confessions and Ask Bridget and Holly. They're two different series. So if you have a confession or you want to ask us a question about this topic or any other topic, email us at bridgetandholly at gmail.com. And we're trying to build up some shows for that. But anyhow, we love you guys. Love y'all. Bye.